I'm Chris Barker. And I'm Will Betts, and this is the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast, brought to you in partnership with Audient. In this podcast, we speak with musicians, DJs, engineers, and producers about their Fantasy Forever studio. The imaginary studio that our guests dream up today will be one that they must live with forever. But even in the world of Studio Foreverdom, we do have some rules. Yes, the rules. Okay, so our guests will select a computer, a DAW, and an audio interface. Those are free items that everybody gets. Then our guests will choose just six other bits of studio kit plus one non gear related luxury item. However, mm-hmm. no bundles! No bundles, exactly. Choosing something sold as a package of separate software or hardware as a single item is strictly prohibited. This time, we're joined by a Canadian producer, songwriter, DJ and vocalist who makes critically acclaimed, nostalgic-sounding but difficult-to-pigeonhole electronic music. Yes, our guest has toured the world live stream from the back of a people carrier, released two records on Hyperdub, and has a new solo record coming in July. And we know from her performances that she's no stranger to vintage synths and studio gear, but what six-item selection will make it into Foreverdom? Yes, let's see. This is My Forever Studio with Jessie Lanza. Welcome, Jessie. Welcome. Hi. How's it going? Good morning to you. Good evening. Yes. Good evening to you. Yeah. <laughs> we are we are s- stretching across the world today. Um, okay, so you heard the rules there, and we'll get to I did. building your, for- the, your Forever Studio. Yeah, we raced through them just to bamboozle you. But um, we'll get to that in 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 a, in a minute. But let's um, let's get every everybody up to speed with your sort of journey into music production and, and making music and like how how that got started. I mean, did you start as somebody traditionally that was playing an instrument or or, or singing that kind of style, or did did you always want to know you wanted to make electronic music? Yeah, I, both my parents um, both my parents are musicians, and uh, mm. my dad actually was a music teacher, so. I was in piano from an early age, singing at assemblies, the choir, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, but my dad also ran a uh, a PA rental company. So okay. that, and one of the ways we would spend time together is he would take me to these auctions in Toronto. And that was a very strange culture to me as a seven-year-old, but I was fascinated. <laughs> so I think that's where it all started for me. And gear, as in like music equipment auctions. Yeah, because he um, okay he would rent PA's to the clubs in Hamilton, so he was always looking mm-hmm. for like, you know, tweeters and subs and bins he could paint, and you know, he was just always out in the garage spray painting stuff. That's what I remember about my <laughs> him and my childhood. So, but you were ex- exposed to a lot of bass at an early age, shall we say? Yeah, and and paint. <laughs> <laughs> That was my job. <laughs> nice. With paint. <laughs> so you were on you were on painting duties, painting these custom speaker systems, essentially. Totally painting, taping. Um, yeah, sometimes it was really boring, but it was uh, you know being at these auctions because I was quite young. But um, it was fun, and I'm obviously it made an impression on me. Did your dad have synths and, and electronic gear then, and that's how that journey started, or was it? Was he more of a sort of traditional? musician if we can call it that no he totally he it was important to him to keep up with all the newest stuff and like i had an older cousin mm-hmm. who was really into music and throwing raves in like southern ontario to windsor and detroit and that area so he was always like telling my dad mm-hmm. like oh you got to get you know the newest best drum machine which at the time was like a 909 so my dad bought one of those and didn't know mm-hmm. how to use it um but my cousin did so yeah. That's like the coolest dad ever. Like, well, yeah, I wish my dad had a 909. <laughs> he, he was and he was <laughs> But he had a hobby studio in the basement, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And did you, did you just start tink- tinkering around in there or was it kind of, was it like pushed on you? Or were you like, I want to go and well, play with the equipment? The thing that kind of sucked when I was growing up is that I wasn't allowed to tinker it was like a kids not allowed zone but yeah. i could practice piano mm-hmm. and i could sing neither of which i really i didn't really like the singing lessons i i liked the piano lessons but it wasn't until a lot later that i got to actually do my own tinkering so what was your first steps in terms of equipment that you used and and when you started thinking that this might be what i want to do forever yeah, I mean, this is a little, not to get too heavy at 9 a.m. in the morning, but when my dad passed away, I got all of his stuff, basically. So mm. that's when I got to to tinkering. 
Um, and yeah, when I decided that I wanted to actually make music myself and be the engineer and be the producer, you know, get my hands dirty a little bit. Were you going in kind of like with little experience or at that point had, had you, you know? No, I had no, I, I had no clue what I was doing at all but that was it was wow. really frustrating but it was also really fun i'm sure you're familiar with the with the feeling yeah oh yeah yeah it's kind of it's it kind of gamifies it doesn't it because you kind of you get those little achievements of like oh now i know how to do that totally i mean that's yeah it's like what keeps you going for sure okay so i guess we're gonna have some quite difficult choices here for this for when we start picking the equipment but let's uh let's talk about your dream studio in terms of location and vibe, like... Oh my goodness, it's all stressful, this, uh, the, the lead-up. <laughs> lead it's a lot of pressure. I'm sorry, but go, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, go, go, go. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm applying the pressure of you deciding where you're going to have a studio in, in the world or where you're going to have a studio forever and what it's going to be like. Yeah, let's, let's try and make it happy pressure, though. Happy, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, um... You can have anything you want here, so dream away. <laughs> I um, I think the studio location would be in Los Angeles because because there is a rental place that's like a fifteen minute drive from my house. Um, does renting factor in? Yeah, you're not allowed to rent anything. You get six <laughs> items forever. You're not allowed to yeah. rent. Okay, so location doesn't the location doesn't really um matter. But I live in Los Angeles, and so my dream is to have like a room that's built like outside my house so I can like leave my house, but like a little cube, like mm -hmm. a studio cube in my backyard. That's my okay. dream. Mm. That's good. How big a cube? Are we talking like... Um, a quiet cube. <laughs> a in... quiet, smallish cube, <laughs> big big cube. How big does, it need, does the cube need to be? It doesn't, I don't, it doesn't need to be that big because it's like if you have a big house, you know, it's like you only need so much space and then you know other rooms start to become just like where you put junk you know what i mean like you have like a mm -hmm. yeah that's true like a junk room um i don't know I'm, if you have space you always fill it with something don't you You're just kind of like, oh totally like yeah. yeah and i think with gear that can be really it can be dangerous um it won't be too much of a problem on this show though because you only get six <laughs> pieces of gear that's, that's true <laughs> <laughs> so that's true so, that's true but what's the kind of vibe of this cube then it, it, you know, can you see the outside do you want do you like that or do, does you want to be locked away um is it is it kind of cool and like what's the style the cube the studio cube was inspired by my friend david kennedy who goes by the name pearson sound and he i went to london and spent like 10 days with him in his he has a, a studio cube in his backyard um and uh, he has like a, um, not a sun, I can't think of what the, not a sunroof, but he has like a... Sunlight. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. He has a sunlight yeah. and he has a lovely garden and yeah, he had the perfect setup. And so working with him, mixing my, I'm putting out a record this summer called Love Hallucination and he, he mixed it. We mm. mixed it together there. It was a lovely experience. He has a cube with a sunlight. So when, when you're saying cube, this is, I think I know what you mean. This is an actual company, isn't it, that sort of cranes into your garden like a ready-made studio cube to go. I think that it is, yeah. You're yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I, don't... I think I've seen adverts for that. Yeah. and uh... can, can, can you see whether I'm making that up or not, Will? I'm just, I'm I looking think, it up now. I think there's yeah. a company that kind of like, yeah, just comes on the back of a lorry and they just pop this like awesome, like ready-to-go sort of office-type studio cube. There are a few yeah. of these companies, yeah. There's yeah. Um, that, that do acoustically treated um recording spaces that you just literally plop down in your yeah in your garden yeah they're very cool well it was lovely yeah so you're thinking one of those in in la somewhere what any particular part of la oh like northeast la like pasadena you know some big trees around the cube that's what i'm picturing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just it's cool that it's called a studio cube as well isn't it it's like cube studios Mm, I like it. Oh yeah, 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 totally. I could. That does have a little ring to it. I like it too. Um, and what's what's you kind of the style inside? Like, I, I mean, have you been to lots of studios and you know, because some studios people just don't get on with like the kind of the vibe without being too sort of vague. But you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't click. It's not the right creative environment for them. I mean, what what do you like? Yeah, I don't want a leather couch. I don't want it to be dark. <laughs> It's nice to have some light. Like it's, 
um, yeah, I have been in some pretty gross studios where it's, uh, yeah, not a lot of light comes through. So I think I want the opposite of that. Like, light as an option is definitely something I'm going for. And sort of minimal furniture, quite clean and slick. Yeah, I want a little, like, um, like one of those little roll-out futons, but just a single one on the floor that I can just, like, lay down, you know, read a book. Okay. If I want to. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can stare up through the sunlight. That's good, yeah. I'm getting... I'm, get, I'm Totally. We're building a picture now. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> as we continue to build this, let's get the... Um, you get the three free items, which are computer, your DAW, and your audio interface. So let's talk computers first. I mean, Mac, PC, something else. Yeah. I don't know. What, what are you going for? I'm just going to be practical here and go with one of the new Mac minis, just as long as it has minis. like the new chip. You know, if it has the M1 chip, then I'm good. Um, mm -hmm. Why the mini in your dream fantasy forever studio? This is feels like an opportunity to upsell some dreams. Well, we could. Like, oh, just some serious raw computing power. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you need... This is, like, kind of with the space thing. It's like, I just don't know... I mean, I'm not going to be running one of those, like, virtual um, consoles. Like, you, see, you know, where, like, you like, yeah. can do it with your hands. That's never... <laughs> I'm never going to do that, you know? It's like, how much computing power do you really need to make music? Maybe you have a good answer. I don't know. Uh, I, well, the answer that us two nerds would probably give you is as much as possible all the time. <laughs> I mean, but at, some, at one point, don't you think it sure. just kind of gets like it gets in the way? No? No, I do know what you mean. I think um, as computers got more and more powerful, I started uh, definitely, not that I've ever made particularly great music, but like I definitely made worse music the more options I had <laughs> when I didn't have to commit and like I had loads of plugins and loads of stuff. Whereas when I the computer would fall over after eight tracks, you really had to commit to an idea. Whereas you can yeah. just endlessly get buried in it, it. Yeah, the fact that it never, ever struggles can kind of be a bit paralyzing sometimes. Um, I mean, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, though, that I, I would love if, if I have enough computing power for like my isotope plugins to run without crashing my DAW, then that's yeah. enough. I don't that's... know exactly how much that is, but I think that that's what I need. And I'll be happy with that. What about if we upgraded you to the Mac Studio, which is about the same size, but way more powerful? It's got like all the cores, as many cores as you could possibly want for computing. Sorry, I'm just Googling it. You know, it's got the chip I'm talking about. I mean, it looks nice. It looks nice. Yeah. 20 core CPU. Yeah. Looks good. Lock yeah, it I in. think I've been upsold. Yes. Yes. Okay. Lock that Excellent. in, Will. Okay, Excellent. let's talk uh, DAW. Um, what are you using as your main sort of program for music creation? I think I would, it kind of pains me to say it, but I think I would have to use Logic. You know, it just mm. is like a, I just, I don't know what else I would use. Why does it pain you to say it? Because it's so annoying to use sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's just, I've mm -hmm. never felt angrier than I do when there's things, like, just when it doesn't, it's just there's stupid things that happen that could just be so easy, but they're not. And have you tried tried other programs? Yeah, I've used, I mean, I use Ableton mm -hmm. a lot, but if I'm talking about forever, I think I would have to pick Logic. Um, I've dabbled in Reason, dabbled in Fruity Loops, mm -hmm. you know. I always come back to Logic, though. I think that's the forever program. It's nice that. It's a nice as a phrase, isn't it? I dabbled in Reason, but I ended up with Logic. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> I think people, I think a lot of people can relate. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's true, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it just always comes back. And so what What are your frustrations with it then? Because you said yeah. you, it's like this slightly uh, strained relationship by the sounds of things. What What are your issues with Logic? What do they need to fix? I don't like the, I don't like the sampler. Okay. I don't like EXS24. I think it sucks. Mm -hmm. um, that used to be the main people, reason people got Logic back in the day, didn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Long time ago. T totally. It is powerful. It's just not practical, I guess. Mm. And in Ableton, it's so, you know, there's just so much dragging and dropping. I, I mean, you can drag and drop with the XS24 too, but it's not, um, I don't know. It's just not as intuitive. And then there's just silly, 
it's mostly like the key commands. Uh, it doesn't snap properly. The warping function is like kind of a joke compared to Ableton. It's just not as easy. It's not as fun. But then in the end, I don't think it sounds as good um, in Ableton. It ends up sounding Ableton-y. Oh, interesting. Me. That's a that's a hot topic, that isn't it? The the sound uh, of a DAW. Um, maybe it's kind of BS, but I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like a placebo. Uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Absolutely, absolutely yeah. maybe. But the thing is, though, enough people talk about it, things like that. That is it placebo? I don't know. It's a bit like expensive speaker cables. It's kind of you'll just never know. I mean, but with that one, that is definitely snake oil. I'm, I'm just going to call that out. Expensive speaker cables. There is no difference. There's literally no difference. But that's you don't you think the the gold plates or the gold. <laughs> I mean, I'm Sil- silver is a better conductor than than gold to, in technically. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Will instantly trying to upset me in Google. I saw <laughs> for anybody listening, Will, Will just Will just dived at the keyboard like in a heartbeat when I made that <laughs> speculative claim that silver was more conductive than gold. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Chris. Of course, I'm right, Will. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make such a crazy claim. My front of house person sold me on this like Mogami cable for my vocal. My favorite ones are the cables that tell you you have to plug it in in a certain direction. Oh, I love oh, that wow. when it's like, no, you've got the. Uh, you've oh, that's got, the wrong end, mate. That's the wrong end. <laughs> the audio goes that way down the cable. <laughs> now, at least with a Mogami, though, that's like a high quality. That's a really high quality product, yeah. and it's well made. I totally yeah. get that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's worth it's getting rugged. good cables. Yeah, for the ruggedness and like yeah. The, the fact that they don't yeah. crumble as you keep plugging them in and out all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, do uh, do email us, listeners, uh, with your expensive cable stories to editors at musictech.com. <laughs> We'd love to hear your your snake oil stories. Prove us wrong. Um, solid silver cables, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nothing but the best. <laughs> um, so um, we're locking in logic. And then we're going to talk about your audio interface, dream audio interface. What do you want? I mean, I've spent so long learning how to use Total Mix that I think it would have to be like, you know, just a fire face, some kind of, some kind of RME product. Okay. Sorry, mm-hmm. this is, it's really difficult. Like, you know, the pressure of this, it's like, I don't know. If, Tell us now, immediately. As, yeah. <laughs> Decide forever now. <laughs> It is. I'm, I'm not good under pressure. You know, I'm not, not going to lie. Um, you know, like just an RME Fireface with like a lot of inputs and outputs. You know, I don't know. I don't know how much better it could get than that. Nice. That's, well, well yeah. what's, the to, what's, what's the top end RME stuff now? I mean, it's nice to have an RME selected, actually. We haven't had one for a while. We haven't. No. We um, So if you want lots of ins and outs, including lots of mic preamps, and you can go for the 12 mic, which is the mic preamp that connects over usb and has all sorts of other connections as well um but they have a bunch don't they i mean there's all sorts um of desktop ones and they're still called Firefaces because they used to be firewire that's why they were Firefaces, right and now they're... the the fireface ufx3 is also a big one. Oh, that one's really nice yeah and the the preamps are really nice on it i mean you still have to use something else i think but um in a pinch you know i think the preamps are really nice it used to be about the drivers with those ones. They were just, RME was just so solid, wasn't it? Like, they'd always have them ready for, like, new versions of OSs and stuff. Like, and, yeah, they just never fell over. They were really, really good with customer support and supporting old products as well. I think they mm. still update drivers for very old products. They do. So, yeah, really good. So have you taken this out on the road then? Because I know a lot of people use these things for touring and that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I use the Fireface UCX for my live rig and nice. uh because i have other people on stage with me it's just really nice to dial in the ears using total mix but it was a bit of a pain it was a learning curve but now i know how to use it i feel like i can't let go and um, um how was getting, so. getting the live show together then with that in mind because it's it's quite an electronic music or any kind of live show but like you know when you're dealing with technology it can be a bit of a minefield yeah it can there's a lot of places where things can go wrong but the total mix actually once i actually knew what i was doing it took a lot of like the guesswork but on this last tour i went on i actually bought one of those behringer x32 racks Mm. for all the ears and that was pretty straightforward so you know got the ipad yeah nice pretty simple yeah 
And so did you give everyone iPads then to control their own headphone mixes? Is that how you ran it? Well, I ended up having to be the, we only had one iPad and then okay. n nobody ended up downloading the app on their phones that oh, so I told them to. So. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to delete Angry Birds, you know, space. So <laughs> <laughs> I was the monitor tech for the inner ears. And did you have any, uh, I don't want to uh, cause any, bring up any trauma, but did you have any technical disasters? Um, anything any shows that went sideways and you had to fix? You know, on this tour, actually, I'm really, I'm going to knock on wood um, for the future, but this last tour, no. I, I have that's really good. before. <laughs> it's like you were saying with electronic music, things can go very sideways. Yeah. Um, mostly with like compute, like with CPU meltdowns or something like that. And I, yeah. I, I did have an incident once or twice with my computer, but... Um, since I started touring with the Mac Mini, those days are hopefully behind me because uh, they're pretty reliable. It's often keeping things cold, isn't it? Like hot venues and like it all works in the like freezing cold rehearsal room or something. But then once you're in a, a the temperature goes up on stage and all of that, that's when things start falling over. I, I think the most anxiety I've ever experienced playing a show was I played a festival in Dubai and this exactly like you're in the desert. Wow. And there, we I did a sound check, and they're like, "Oh yeah, just leave your stuff set up." I'm like, "No, <laughs> I can't, I can't do that. I can't just leave <laughs> just... it in the desert for three hours. It's not going to work <laughs> later." And these are things that people don't think about when yeah. you. I mean, you know, you have enough to think about planning a festival, but those sorts of things, they're definitely can be an issue. You, you see that a lot with uh, DJs as well, like you know. Not being able to, well, I guess, the same with Mac screens as well. But you can't see the screens because of the sunshine, and also the, the, all of the yes. all of the DJ equipment is black, and it's like in the sun, just getting meltingly, insanely hot. And you know, they're just computers, basically. So it's at some point they're going to fall over, and it's it's kind of terrifying DJing on red hot equipment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, not in my cool green backyard cube. Yeah, you know, everything's quiet and controlled. Nice. None of that in the cube now we're gonna talk about your six other bits of studio kit so item number one what's gonna be in your forever studio so in my forever studio will be a fender Rhodes, a 73 and it'll be my mom's fender Rhodes because i grew up with her playing it her and my dad used to cart it around with them to gigs and um it's like the first kind of not a piano, not a synth, but the first kind of like unique instrument that I got to play on live mm. because I used to play jazz music when I was a teenager, so. Nice. Yeah. And um, did your mom have that from new, sort of from, the, by it in the 70s? Was it like an old, or was it something that was purchased like afterwards? Yeah, so my dad would buy her, my, my dad was the guitar player and my mom was the keyboard player and he would like buy her things to play. And my mom didn't really have much of an interest um, in, <laughs> in gear, but um, yeah, he definitely bought it for her new, for sure. Wow, mm. amazing. Yeah. So have you checked out the new roads? We mentioned that on one of the podcasts, but they're, they're really pretty, but like obviously no, no. emotional attachment there. So it's no. not, much of an up, not much of an upsell. What's the update? Has anything changed? Uh, yeah, it's got like a lot of built-in analog effects and uh, analog preamp, uh, analog, yeah, preamps and things like that, gain stages and stuff. And they've just, it's just like a, a new modern roads, but sounds exactly like the old ones. But yeah, Mark 8 is worth a little look, but yeah. Okay. Not quite as cool as your mum's one from 73. Um, that's very cool. Also, one of my favorite musicians, Patrice Russian, she plays a Rhodes and she has like a spot, like a she's done like, and I'm sure she has lots of free, I, I, there's this great YouTube video of her doing like a ad for Rhodes, like a little demo and yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. That off Forget-Me-Not's fame, right, Patrice? That's right. Yeah. Ruined by Will Smith. I was about to say Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. What a jerk. And every yeah, people hear it and think that Men in Black's going to come on. Oh, how annoying. It's a crime, really. You shouldn't be allowed to have done that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's lock in the roads and go on to item number two and see what's next. Um, I would love to have a Profit 5 
mainly. Okay. I've been fascinated with those because Yellow Magic Orchestra is one of my favorite bands. Mm. And they have this Soul Train performance where they're all they're all just playing. There's like three Prophet Fives on the stage. <laughs> and I've always been pretty fascinated by that. So I think I would want one of those forever. And have you ever played one? No, I haven't. So Ooh. it fits the fantasy of like, yeah, yeah, if I could have one of my own, they're very expensive. Mm -hmm. I'd have to have somebody that could like tune it up every 16 months or something. But um, I think it'd be worth it. Would you get a vintage one then? And if you did get a vintage one, whose would you have if you had to take somebody else's? Oh, if I had if I had to take somebody else's, I would like to take Akiko Yano's from her, you know, just right off the stage. Like if I could have her profit five, um, that would be amazing. Done. Um, Done. We'll, we'll arrange mm -hmm. it. <laughs> I don't. I, I. I'm curious, like, what happened to all of their gear? If they still have it like if it just got sold or if it's sitting in a museum somewhere in mm. japan i mean i don't know mm. it'll, it'll probably be a really horrible story about it just going missing um, you hear a lot of that kind of stuff where oh we had it in storage and then just the manager lost the keys and we just i don't know it just got <laughs> absorbed yeah just, it just <laughs> yeah there was what yeah. there was that story i think i've told it before on the podcast but where somebody checked a CSA in for repair or something to somewhere and then the manager literally had like the ticket to like go and collect it and the the manager and the artist fell out ticket got lost and then that was it just like oh and the guy was going to the store like it's my CSA he was like well where's the ticket oh, oh my god yeah horrible um <laughs> but I want I'd want a vintage one I would want like a, you know an original well make we, me we, feel we're going to thieve that one for you, so it's fine. Okay, thank you. Yeah, we can get in the time machine, go back, take yeah. it off the stage, immediately post-performance in 1980. No, mid-performance. <laughs> mid change the timeline. <laughs> Don't change the timeline. Change the timeline, Will. <laughs> no. Well, change the timeline. If it was on the Soul Train performance, it's like it wasn't plugged in anyway, you know? Like they weren't oh, actually making oh. sound, so maybe that would be the best yeah. time, you know, be of little consequence. It's the perfect synth heist. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And it'd it make it go. It you know be it'd be known throughout the years. Like, George, oh, remember that episode of Soul Train where uh, those two guys came on stage and <laughs> took the synths. <laughs> the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast is supported by Audion, makers of the Evo 16 and Evo SBA interface, as well as the Evo Expanded system. Yes, building on Audience 25 years of design heritage, the Evo range of audio interfaces and preamps provides stacks of I.O. and professional-level audio performance alongside innovative new features like Smart Gain and Motion UI designed to make recording easy and to enable you to focus on the creative process. And all of that is without breaking the bank. Yes, multi-channel smart gain means you can dial in microphone gain automatically for up to 24 microphones at once, and all in less than 20 seconds. Great for drummers or full band recordings. That's right, the Evo 16 interface serves up a massive 24 ins and outs, including 8 preamps with smart gain, and each SP8 provides another 8 intelligent Evo preamps, advanced ADDA converter tech, and a versatile range of I.O. connectivity, including two JFET instrument inputs. The Evo SP8 is designed to be the perfect partner for your existing audio interface and rounds out the Evo expanded system. Visit audient.com for more information and to explore the Evo expanded system. And we're on item number three. So for item number three, I'm going to go for just a workhorse effects. I'll, I just would love an Eventide H3000. That would be just magical. Um, thing to have. We do have an upsell here, right? Well, don't they have a nine thousand? There, there is, there is a nine thousand. If you want the, the more modern one with all the bells and whistles, yeah. oh three, ti goodness, three times me. as good. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is? I've never heard of the nine thousand. Please, it's six thousand um, times better than the other one. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that is not mathematically accurate, but yeah. Um, the H nine thousand is. Uh, it's also a rack mount effects unit, but it has more um, effects paths, I think. So you can, I think it has more ins and outs, so you can have, it can do more stuff. 
um, at the same time at the same time but mm. and i think okay. it has a bunch of the old algorithms in it from the h3000 but if you want to go vintage you can go vintage this this is yeah. your forever studio so it's your call uh, i'm gonna go with the original yes. i'm gonna go with the yeah yeah um I'm gonna go vintage. I think. Is this is this something you've used in in software, or do you have the original, or have you used the original? Yeah. So I myself don't own the original, but um, Jeremy Greenspan, who uh, has worked mixed my first three albums, um, he has a really nice studio with a lot of really nice outboard gear, and he has a he has an H three thousand. So I've always been envious, and uh, I know. I know how nice my vocals sound through it and great since you just use it for so many different things. So I think if I had to use something forever, that would be a good, it'd be a flexible one. Yeah, it's a popular choice as well, isn't it? I mean, we have upsold to the 9000 a few times, but yeah, the vintage <laughs> ones definitely have their vibe. There is something mm -hmm. about that sound. So what, what are you using that on in your, in tracks we can hear? So the last record I put out on Hyperdrive called All the Time, it's just used on everything. It's like used on like snares, like the drums, mm -hmm. synths, my vocal. Um, yeah, it's just everywhere. I think we used the the H three thousand, and for reverb we used this Bracasti, which was oh, like yeah. nice. really beautiful. I Bracasti almost made it on the list, but that's the, is it M seven. The M7, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really beautiful um, piece of gear, but um, I, it got knocked off for something else that we'll get to later. Okay. And so okay. just on the point on the point of that you're using it on everything, because your sound is re really sort of nostalgic. It has this retro quality to it, and yet it still sounds really modern, like Lick in Heaven, for instance. Did it make it onto that track? Is that what we're hearing? Are we hearing the X3000? Definitely on my vocal there's mm. like a lot of layers and we definitely use the h3000 on my vocal <clears throat> for lick in heaven for sure mm. um i'm sure that some of the synthesizers were ran through it as well it's just between jeremy and i like we would layer so many things yeah um but i definitely think it made it onto some of the synth, the synth um effects as well it just gives them that extra lushness isn't it really nice it really does yeah it turns like uh it, yeah, there's a lot of depth. It's because it's just been used on so many other records as well. It's one of those bits of equipment that makes makes it sound like a record, if that makes sense. It's like, oh, that sounds like done now. Do you know what I mean? Like it's one of those bits of quality. Totally. Like the SSL bus compressor used to have where it's just like, oh, now it sounds like a record. And like, I don't know why, what that is, but it's. I guess we're so used to hearing it on other stuff that it mm. just oozes sort of professionally finished ready to go no I, I know what you're saying there's a texture there that, yeah uh, yeah you can that you can hear so item number four <sighs> um so this is kind of a sentimental choice I've, I've noticed as i'm going through my list that it's kind of it's a sentimental list but this one's important to me because so my dad got this 909 mm -hmm. my cousin took it and I think pawned it and I don't know where it is now, but I want it back and I want it in my forever studio. Do you know the serial number or anything like that? Can we help you, <laughs> can we help you track it no. down? <laughs> no, I don't know where it is. It's probably gone, but I, I would love an original 909. I think that would be really nice. Somebody must have it. Nobody's throwing these away. Somebody must have it somewhere. I know. There can't be that many in the world. Maybe my cousin still has it and he's just lying to me about it. Mm, that sounds like a likely story. You know, but one day I'm going to find it. And how would, does it have any, any, I want to find it using the podcast. Does it have any significant markings? I don't know. Or I haven't seen it. Does it have any tattoos? <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. I, no, I think it is just your everyday, you know, utility 909. I don't think it has anything distinctive, but I haven't seen it. I haven't laid eyes on it in probably 15 years. So, so how, how do you know if you do see it? You, you, you just know yeah i would just know you know that sat in Good. my basement and i was allowed to look at it but not touch um so yeah i would want it in my forever studio we'll we'll track it down definitely okay that's sweet do you have one right now or do you, are you using no. okay i have a 707 which is not <laughs> the same but um 
it's incredible to see how expensive it is to buy a 707 these days i gotta yeah. say 707 was quite popular though for um because sometimes like the um 909 can be a bit big yeah so i know there was a lot mm. of producers using the 707 kicks and some of the bits of that because it it was thinner but it would slot into certain mixes better you find yourself taking lots out lots out of the 909 kick sometimes but yeah it is a bit of a one-trick pony sometimes like yeah if you're not sculpting Se 727 is the exciting one isn't it isn't that the latin oh there's like a latin one which is kind of cool yeah that's fun to get the 707 and the 727 going together at yes. the same time yes yeah do you have a 727 yeah. as well no i don't i only have a 707 but um you know, maybe if I had more options, I could do the side by side for this forever studio. But you know, you only got nope. six choices. We're not bending the rules. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Not now. Not never. These yeah. are the rules. <laughs> we will live and die by these rules. I get it. Um, so, are you using okay. the seventy-seven in your in your live performances as well, or is that just exclusively a studio thing for you? It's just a studio thing. I'm always freaked mm. out that, um, yeah, the pattern will. I don't know. It just seems too unpredictable. Taking vintage gear on the road is is risky, anyway, isn't it? Though because it's yeah it's a great way to lose equipment to have like heart like things just get you know mm. you've seen the way people load things on planes it's like yeah not it's not kind was it soul wax um, that told us uh or am i making this up somebody told us about them putting a ms20 like the customs you know like tsa open it up mm -hmm. check that it is what it is and then they closed the lid back to front so it just crushed all the keyboard in half because it was oh like the case was angled like the oh. MS-20. And then they put it on the reverse and just forced it on and just basically crushed it. So when they opened it up at the other side, it was just, yeah, just gone. Just smushed. And then this was like an original, you know, vintage MS-20. Yeah. 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 That's like, that's just a heartbreaker. heartbreaker. I, I've had a yeah. Juno 106 go missing for like oh. almost a month. And... Uh, Ever since that happened, I just was said never again. Yeah. It's just going to get ruined, yeah, or lost. It's like too tough on the instrument for sure. So you got it back then, your Juno, did you? I did after a lot of time spent on, um, my goodness, what's the Irish airline? Aer Lingus. Okay. Oh, no. Aer Lingus. <laughs> but they did find it and they did send it back to Toronto. And somebody dropped it off at my house. And it was fine. And it was okay. Yeah, I wasn't crushed. But it did. I did think I'm never going to see it again. Yeah. Yeah. Because once it passes like a two-week mark, it's like, oh. Yeah. It's gone. You know. Um, For sure. And what happens if that happens? You just say, oh, well, that was, that's worth this much money. And do they give you compensation? Or do they just go, oh, you, if you actually read the terms and conditions, we're allowed to lose whatever we want. I mean, I've never had... Yeah, Sorry, neither. that's my own personal. I just wonder what would happen if, no, like, do you I think it's only get... to like, you know, it's like we'll give you five hundred bucks or something. You know, I don't, <laughs> oh I don't think it's... here's five hundred bucks now. Shut yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, I think that that's how it goes. Like, I don't think yeah. your description's far off at all. Yeah, yeah, they get away with it, don't they? They do. So now we're on item number five. We're locking in the nine oh nine oh nine, right? And now we're on item number five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would really love to have an MPC two thousand. XL, like an original, because my Ooh. hero, DJ Rashad, he used one. And ever since I found out that that was like what he made all his tracks on, like just an old, an older MPC, I've always... We, are we stealing his? Stealing his? Stealing? No, we no, no, because I... Oh. I think his, I think his kids, his, I think his son makes music too, so I wouldn't want to like, right. you know, I think his son would want it. Um, Dealing NPCs from children. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just not, not that cool. kind of person. Just not cool. Yeah. Not that no. kind of person. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So, um, do you, I mean, do you use that kind of environment in your music now? Um, I, I do. So I have a 2000XL in the turntable and like a scussy mm. drive that is a huge pain in the ass to get from, <laughs> to get from the NPC to my computer. But honestly, I think the workflow is nice. For me and it is a bit mm. tedious but it keeps me engaged and uh i've tried other other ways um i had that i'm like blanking on what it's the torres um oh yeah oh yeah the um, pioneer yeah the pioneer the w which it's really cool um but the it's squid just, yeah yeah those are really 
pretty amazing and I, I've used one before, but I just, I don't know, I have more fun with the MPC. Yeah, I think they're different, different, quite different bits of gear. I, I reviewed the Squid for Music Tech and... Um, what did you think? Yeah, I loved it, but it, but it had that, I guess all kit like that does, but it, it had this moment where I, I sort of hated it. And then, mm-hmm. and then there was like a, a, a there was a moment where, and I've heard people talk about this about the um, like octatracks and things like that as well, the electron gear. There's just mm-hmm. a moment where it snaps in your head and you understand the entire workflow and how you know how the menus operate, all that kind of stuff, and you kind of go, oh yeah, I get it now. And it, then it was so easy to use, but it took me ages, and it felt like I was never going to get there. Mm-hmm. And then it just clicked, and you kind of like, oh, this is amazing how they've done this. And then I found it so easy and fun to use, and it was so great at generating ideas, especially with external hardware. It was it was wicked at like triggering other synths, and yeah, I loved it. They are cool. Yeah, I like how you can sync them up to your CDJs if you like. Yeah, you, know, you just need a um, mm-hmm. an Ethernet hub, and then you're just good to yeah. go, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's so cool, and yeah, the idea of having decks and synths and all being yeah. Anyway, yeah, loved it. But the MPC, so the MPC two thousand XL, mm-hmm. I noticed that you've in your music. There's a lot. Of, it, the drums don't always feel super on the grid. Are you performing stuff um, live on it, or are you quanti- are you using like the MPC swing, the swing on the MPC? How are you how are you approaching that? Yeah, totally just kind of like jiggling things around until they feel they feel good. Um we've had friends come in and and play over mm. top of um what we've done on a drum machine, but uh yeah, it's definitely a mix of um samplers both outside and inside the computer. <laughs> mm. Um yeah, it's a real mishmash for sure. There's just a lot of layers. If I could describe the music in one way, it would be like layered. A lot of layers from yeah. lots of different equipment as well from lots of different equipment yeah, yeah because um the way i work normally is i will start something and then give it to another producer that i'm working with and they can add their thing and then give it back and so it it does turn into a bit of a of a mess that always works out in the end but yeah there's always a lot of layers and versions and sounds like our podcast Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all works out in the end. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know what you're saying about the using. I've never actually made a track with the Octatrack. I've like messed around with it before, but I don't know. Yeah, the workflow I have found hard to get past. Feel like I'm really I'm in like a university course or something. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah. I've heard from people they say you know, but with the electron stuff, then it snaps. And the great thing is, I think with the electron stuff is when you once you figure it out, it's kind of a similar method across all their devices so it's like the electron way learn the electron way and stay in that world and i guess people did that with npcs and you know people that's why people like machina and other things Mm. also the midi uh, the um the using the npc 2000 xl is like a, a brain is really it it really works with everything else like the clock that it sends is really yeah. sturdy and like so i was i factored that in with the forever studio you know i just want i want to have a sturdy clock as well <laughs> it's yes. um yeah and a lot of people use it for that reason on stage and stuff don't they because it's like it's really mm-hmm. reliable mm-hmm. um so we're approaching the final final bit of studio kit what's it going to be so i would want a neumann u47 because yeah okay if it's a fantasy mm-hmm. i've been i've been biding my time to say this I'm going to break you yeah. some horrible news. Oh, no. What? You don't, you don't have any speakers or, or headphones. Right, so, wait, like forever? Like you, <laughs> like yet? Yeah. Yet? <laughs> no, you, no, as in like you haven't chosen any. Right. You're going to need some, maybe. You might need some speakers or some headphones if you, I mean, maybe you don't ever want to hear this stuff. So for my, so is this, will, will this be my last item this is your last bit of studio mm. kit yeah okay and like for a pair does that count as one yes that's, that's one pair yeah, of yeah, speakers yeah 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 no, we're, we're not that mean no yes yeah that's fine yeah um i have a an attachment to the spiral groove studio one speakers the monitors i would i would get those they're really beautiful that's a new choice on the on the podcast so this is replacing yeah. your microphone then we're not having any Wait, singing no no don't i have si- i had one more no 
love <laughs> this, this is this is so horrible of me to say, but I love the panic in your voice right now. Like, what? No. <laughs> Um, so I've you're mapped have this to... out really carefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh no. Have I reached capacity? I mean, I guess I would have to replace the. So, so something's gonna have to give here. Yeah. Uh, that's if you want speakers. I mean, it, it will you be. Could... It will be bold. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Then I would have to replace the profit five. Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. So now we go Unexpected. back in time, put it back on stage. T- timeline <laughs> is intact. <laughs> Do I have a keyboard? I have the f- I have the Rhodes and I have the sampler. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know what else could really go, you know. Hmm. Okay. It's tough. You guys that's, run a you run a tight and tough ship. Yeah, it's it's six items was no accident. It's kind of just just the right amount of annoyance, isn't it? Yeah, I'm afraid I might so. regret it later, but I don't know. Well, let's let's lock in those speakers. Tell us about the speakers, though, because it's the first time they've appeared on the podcast for us. Mm. Yeah, they're just like super, they're super nice. And I have a an attachment to them because um, when we were mixing my second album, Oh No, um, we used them for reference all the time. Like it was like an A-B between the spiral grooves and then a nice pair of um, Adam speakers. Um, Mm -hmm. But these ones just, yeah, I really like how they sound. And uh, we mixed one of my albums on them. So So Will, Will, tell us a bit about spiral groove because I'm very excited that they're called spiral groove and not called, or do they, are they called spiral groove S423Xs? So it's the spiral groove is the company. Studio One mixing monitor um, is the name of the monitor. These are expensive as well. This is uh, $3,250 each. Oh, okay. Oh, no, that's a pair. That's a pair. Sorry. Yeah. That's a pair. Okay. Um, but it's so, it's not they're hi- ridiculous. Yeah, they're high end. They're high end, end yeah. And and uh, are they the, the top of the, do they only make one type? Like, this is it. That's it? Yeah. That's that's all they make. Wow. And what are they, 8 inch, 10 inch? A good question. It looks like it's an 8 inch, 7 or 8 inch woofer. Okay. But yeah, I, I'm trying to find out more. Yes. What? Um, where, how, so, how did you uh, find out about them, Jesse? What was what's the story there? So, you were referencing it with them, but in in what studio? So, in uh, Jeremy Greenspan, who um, mm. is in the band Junior Boys, he has a really nice studio in Hamilton, Ontario. That's like my hometown where I used to live. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time with those Spiral Groove speakers. But he, uh, yeah, he bought a pair to AB with his Adams. Um, and they're super nice, just super even. Where's the company from, Will? Are they a Canadian company or? They definitely don't have much much traction in Europe, do they? I've not seen them in any studios. I thought that they were a British company, but I could be, could be wrong. Couldn't tell you. Um, it's their site is one page, um, and it says it says nothing about them. So <laughs> that sounds pretty British. <laughs> but it's priced in dollars, <laughs> so that that gives me a sense that it could be American. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. No, no information available easily. All right. Well, I'll have to look into this. All that's left to do, right, is. Will is going to give you a little rundown. Before we do, though, okay. Before we do, let's let's get into that microphone because we got to the Neumann U forty seven, didn't we? Yeah, um, and then we had to. Why, ditch why it. is this specifically? Oh no, we've we've kept. Oh, it, so sorry, we've got rid of sorry. The Profit yes. five. We kept the Neumann. Why, Jesse, the the Neumann U forty seven of of all the microphones? So I think I I don't have. I sing really quietly, um, so mm. I think that. Detail is important and character is important. Mm. And I think that getting a really nice, solid recording that I can like manipulate after the fact is uh, important for it sounding good. So, and I just wanted to go big, you know, wanted to go big for this microphone. And this is a microphone that I don't think I'll ever be able to own in real life. So (laughs) for this fantasy um, yeah. I think it works. And uh, I'll just get a really, really good recording out of it, I think. And then everybody's used it too. It's like, if it's good enough for Frank Sinatra, it's good enough for me, you know? That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> about loads of stuff Everything. said about. Everything. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. he couldn't really, he wasn't a great singer. 
but he had a lot of character, you know, and that that resonates with me. What about um, other mics that you've used of your career? What what are you using more more commonly to record your stuff? Um, I have a Telefunken that I use live and in the studio. I think it's an M eighty one, which is a really mm -hmm. nice mic. I have an I have an SM seven eight mm -hmm. that I use, or sorry, SM seven B that I use, but um, I have a lot of, uh, yeah, singing quietly, and uh, I, I mm. wish that I could, oh, do you get, what's the, can you tell me about the item that's like the not luxury item? Like, does that, does a really nice vocal booth, does that count as like a non-gear item? Uh, I think, I think you could have that in the studio fi fixtures and fittings. Uh, uh, yeah. I think, okay. I think, I think, think on that and think about upselling your dreams a little bit to something <laughs> a bit more. I think you'd have a really nice vocal booth in your cube. You know, we've got the, the, the nice layout, like you said, the chez lounge and all this kind of like cool furniture that you like. So mm -hmm. think about something else if we can. So while you think on that, Will, if you take us through, have a listen to this dream studio, this forever studio, this cube studio and see what you think. We're in Pasadena, out the back of your house in a garden. You have a cube. Inside the cube, surrounded by trees, is a skylight with a rollout futon. For your three free items, you have an Apple Mac Studio with a 20-core CPU, your interface is an RME Fireface UFX3, and your DAW is Logic Pro X. Into your six items, you have chosen your mother's Fender Rhodes 73, your second item, after a switch up from the sequential Profit 5 stolen from Akiko Yano, we instead have the Spiral Groove Studio One monitors, maybe stolen from Jeremy Greenspan's studio, do we think? Mm -hmm. Can we steal those ones? Yeah, okay, steal excellent. it. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> item number three is the Eventide H3000. Your fourth item is your dad's old Roland TR909. Item five is an MPC 2000 XL in mint condition. And your final item is a Neumann U47 microphone. How do you think that's going to work for you? Uh, <laughs> it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> that's it. End of the podcast. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You know, I wish I hadn't been so sentimental. I think I got distracted by um, my family history of instruments but i think it'll be fine and i've got that Rhodes, so i'll be able to uh -huh. do something with that and the sampler yeah i'll be okay i'll be okay and also for inspiration i mean this this space is as much about as inspiration as it is about sonics no yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess whatever uh, yeah sure whatever yeah um, i tried <laughs> It was lovely hearing it read back. I thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, the luscious tones of Mr. William Betts there. We're talking luxury items now. So, what is your final non bit non studio gear? So it's not not a bit of music kit. What are you having? Are we talking like a fancy water dispenser here? Like what I've confused we could be. about. If, what... if that's how low and easy you want to play it, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's room to room to there's dreams yeah there's upselling of dreams there your fancy water mm. dispenser feels a bit <laughs> low balling no, no, I would love um, to have a sauna there we go we're, get, we're getting there now okay yeah. now that is a yep, fancy yep, yep. water dispenser yeah I want a <laughs> like a bucket like one of those buckets you can pull so I can dump cold water from the fancy water dispenser and then go sit in the sauna Okay. I want a hot. Oh. I want a hot colds facility like outside of my cube. Also, like a sauna and a like a ice bath plunge pool thing. That's right. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Yeah. Where's this come from? Because um, yeah, it's a good way to feel good without doing drugs. You know. Two point um, five times dopamine. Yeah, I think it's the only thing I've come across where it's like, oh, okay, if I was sober, then I could just see getting really into spas, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. where it comes from. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a terrible spa habit. I'm, I'm on five spas a day now. 
It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It explains your glow, Chris. I, like it gets late at night. And I'm like, just one more spa. <laughs> just need it. Just. It's very just... wholesome. You know, it's of little consequence, but you do feel very good. Yeah, it's the worst yeah. thing. The first spa is free, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, just try it. See what you, you like the spa." And I was mm-hmm. kind of like, "Yeah, I'll go and try the spa." And now it's crazy. I'm, you know, just yeah. just splash the rocks one more time. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> just one more. Just one more splash on the rocks, yeah. and then I'm done. Yeah, just one more. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it's it's true. The the ice bath thing is the same. It's do, like two point five percent dopamine increase after you do it. And it's like two point time, two point five times. So you get into a nice. Is this the thing? Is this the theory? Because yeah, you get yeah. into an ice bath, then afterwards, the rest of the day, you have two point five times the amount of dopamine in your system for the entire day than you would if you hadn't. I don't know if it's in an, an entire day. I mean, it depends how long your day is, you know. Uh, but well, between plunge baths, yeah. But no, but it's um, it's because it's like cocaine dips after like. 10 minutes or something it's but nobody spikes your dopamine levels like or, or drugs mm. generally do that and they and that's why you keep trying to get the hit but mm-hmm. you know people don't get addicted to ice baths because it's a it's you know it's it's the slow energy release it's the carbohydrate of i don't, I don't know what I'm, 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 i've gone off track now. um <laughs> what is going on Learn so, science um, with Chris on the music <laughs> podcast. I'm I'm learning a lot. I didn't know about the dopamine, <laughs> the exact levels. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I read it the other day. I read random stuff and it stays in, it stays in my mind. Um, okay, well, um, before we before we wrap up the podcast, um, now we've got the ice ice bath sauna situation locked in. Um, tell us about what's coming up for you. Um, like albums, tours. Yeah, so my new album, Love Hallucination, comes out July twenty eighth. Awesome. Hyperdub. Um, I'm going on a big tour um, in the US, September, October, and then uh, London. I'm playing the Roundhouse on November 11th. Amazing. And there's a big tour in the EU, and in uh, I think there's another show in Man- Manchester in the UK. Yeah, big, just lots of touring. Okay. And you can see mm. all the dates on my website, which is jessielanza.com. Excellent. Well, thank yeah. you Amazing. so, so much for joining us. Uh, it's been uh, hilarious and uh, very, very, very entertaining. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the upsells too. I learned a lot and uh, it was really nice to see my dreams reflected back at me through that story. Yes. I loved it. We love it. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thank, thank you, Jesse. <laughs> Another great show, Will. Season ended. Season ended, yeah. Yes. Jesse Lanza, what a lovely, lovely guest to end the season on. Yeah, and I like the sentimentality. I like yeah. learning about people's, you know, how they got into music, and you know, it's nice having having those stories and those attachments to equipment. I think people do form attachments to equipment, just like any anything else. You know, there's no reason to not be attached to a 909, like the same way that somebody gets attached to a guitar or a piano. Some of them are weird as well, like me and my dad, years ago, we made some acoustic panels, which I will be honest, are not the best acoustic panels one can own, right? But I will not get rid of them. No, because you made them, yeah. He made them, yeah. And it's this thing of like, I won't get rid of my first guitar either. It was... Yeah. Have you still got like an old instrument? You must have, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, well, especially with guitar, I've got a guitar, uh, an old like jazz master type guitar that I bought thinking that I was going to be an incredible rock guitarist that um, I used to record a bit and then it, it sort of needs sorting out a lot but um, right and I should either sell it or get it sorted out and neither has happened so it just sort of exists there but yeah oh so you have you have an unused jazz master I have a half built jazz master we should <laughs> yes. we should finally form the band Chris <laughs> finally form the band <laughs> yes we could be the called jazz, jazz masters, masters. <laughs> yes <laughs> But um, yeah, I think I think you're right with that kind of. I mean, the, the stupid things I hold on to aren't even really equipment, but it's stuff around music. Like I've got like a, I've got a Boss bass synthesizer pedal watch. <laughs> That's pretty now, worth a fortune. If you Google Chris. what I just said, listeners, you'll see how uh, ridiculous it is. It looks like a Boss stomp pedal, but it's a watch, and it's the bass synthesizer one, um, and it was something sent out by boss in like the early nine late 90s early 2000s to uh to journalists and stuff and uh yeah i have found it yeah i've even got a, a, a they sent a like a boss pedal mantelpiece clock but it just looks like a pedal 
It's like loads of random stuff. But yeah, I love that. Very cool. Um, right, well, that's it. Wrap for the season, Will. And if you like the show, don't forget that you can leave us a nice little review. You can tell your friends, tell your family, tell anyone, literally anyone who will listen. Yeah. And email us, editors at musictech.com, for ideas for guests, uh, things you like, ideas for episodes, uh, new rules we can implement. We love a new rule. I mean, maybe it's time, yeah. Well, that's it. And we will see you next time, next series, for more Adventures in Studio Forever. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>